0: The entitlement epidemic usually begins with over-parenting, overprotecting, overpampering, over-protecting, over-pampering, over-praising, and jumping through hoops to meet kids' endless demands. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hello, welcome back to The Parenting Junkie Show. That was a quote from Amy McReady, the author of The Me, Me, Me Epidemic, A Step-by-Step Guide to Raising Capable, Grateful Kids in an Over-Entitled World. Sounds good, right? At least it does to me. I am particularly triggered by indulgent, entitled behaviors, and perhaps because it's my trigger point, it's something I seem to have to be dealing with on a regular basis. Hashtag first world problems. I know. And yet they still are problems, and they still are things that as intentional parents, I know we all want to be mindful of how do we create abundance and a sense of safety and a sense of joy in what we have and really enjoying material and, uh, and, um, experience and all of the things that we can indulge in and, and, you know, pamper ourselves with and take delight in the world without becoming entitled, um, me, me, me kids. And then of course, adults. So, We're going to dive right into some ways that I'm trying to kind of stave off that entitlement, what I think we can do, my game plan, and hopefully it works, fingers crossed, in today's episode. Before we do, I have to apologize that the quality of the sound today is not going to be what you're used to. A, because I'm recording this on the go. We are visiting my incredible grandma uh, in London, and it's a very special trip. Shout out to my present players. I can't wait for our meeting. Up in a couple of days. I'm really excited. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have had our meetup, and I know how special it is to meet so many Present Play members around the world. Wherever I go, we hold a meetup, and it's just always this instant connection. Just because we're all part of the Present Play movement, we just seem to get each other on such a deep level immediately. It's very, very special and honestly helps me uh, to feel less isolated in my parenting journey so thank you all so much for creating that with me um, and also i have had a very sore throat for the last few weeks and i've been putting off this podcast recording as long as i can so that i could sound a little bit less hoarse but it's still there so i'm uh, i'm sorry about that and bear with me because this is a really good juicy topic. I also want to welcome all of the families who have already registered for Bliss. Oh my goodness, Bliss 2020 is coming in August. We're meeting in Costa Rica for a week-long retreat. It's going to be amazing, I have no doubt. And if you want to be there, then please go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash Bliss 2020. And we can get you a price quote for what it would cost for your particular family configuration. We would love to make it work for you. Um, So more details on that later. For now, let's get back into the meat and potatoes of today's uh, episode and talk about entitlement. And this is particularly relevant if you're in America and you're celebrating American Thanksgiving and it's all around gratitude. And that's why we chose this topic for this week. Although no pressure if you're listening from the future, it's always relevant to talk about entitlement if you're living in an entitled part of the world. Um, but it's particularly um, fitting around the the issue of gratitude and giving thanks. So in her book, Amy McCready lists uh, signs that help indicate the extent of our children's me, me, me problem. And, ju- you know, just as I read this out, kind of give your child a score from zero to 10, obviously just in your own head, to try and figure out if indeed they have a lot of entitlement, some entitlement, something that you're worried about. So does your child expect bribes or rewards for good behavior? We've talked a lot about bribing and rewarding, how it's not something that we want to use, particularly in, in the peaceful and conscious parenting paradigm uh, to moderate behavior and to modify behavior at all. But if they expect to be bribed or rewarded for just any good deed, then maybe that's a sign of entitlement. Do they rarely lift a finger to help? Now I do want to caveat and say that yes, toddlers often love to get involved in, you know, unloading the dishwasher or sweeping or whatever. But often it does take time for children to be able and to understand how to help. Um, But if they rarely lift a finger to help, that might also be a sign of entitlement. Are they more concerned about themselves than others? Again, some natural narcissism in childhood, of course, takes 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 time for children to develop that empathy. But. Are you never seeing them being concerned about others? Do they pass blame when things go wrong? Are they always looking for someone else to blame? Do they have deep trouble handling disappointment? They can't handle disappointment. Something goes wrong, they have a meltdown. They have a you know such a big reaction that seems completely disproportionate to the reality. Do they need a treat to get through the store? Can't go through a shop without being bribed with a treat. Do they expect to be rescued from their mistakes? So you know they messed up, they lost something, they were late for something. Um, do they expect you to fix it for them? Do they feel like the rules don't apply to them? And do they constantly want more and more? Is it simply never enough? Now I have to tell you guys, it's kind of you know nauseating for me to read this list because I do feel like sometimes some of my kids display some of these, but. I'm also trying to be compassionate and self-compassionate and kind of see this through a broad lens and understand that it's a journey and it's something to be aware of and it's something to take into consideration. And these are kind of like lists of symptoms. And when you go on you know, Google MD or whatever, you might really see lists of symptoms and think you have some you know, terrible disease, whereas it's just something to be aware of. It could be correlated with an over-entitled uh, child. So then when our children are very entitled, um, what do we do, right? Well, you know, the first route is usually we punish, we yell, we get angry every time they're entitled. And I certainly do this. But the trouble with this approach is that if you get angry at a child and yell at them for their entitlement, I think it actually exacerbates the problem because they get defensive and start to... Uh, harden the crest of their ego, the crust, sorry, of their ego, maybe a crest as well. Because basically, that they start to defend themselves rather than say, hey, you know what, mom's right, I really am expecting a lot, or I really do think I deserve everything. They start to say, what, this isn't fair, how am I being treated so badly? Why does she always yell at me? And I think in some ways, it actually makes them even more self-centered. And the other attempt that we have is that we simply let go and we just give them whatever they want because we can't handle the entitlement and the disappointments and the meltdowns and the whining and the demands. And so we kind of live under this tyrannical child who's expecting everything to go their way, and we succumb to that from the place of fear that if something doesn't go their way, it's going to be a disaster obviously that's not good either because it again feeds into the entitlement and lets them know that it's worthwhile pitching a fit every time you don't like something and that indeed you do deserve anything you want um, and that indeed you can't handle disappointment and here we are to prove it we're going to protect you and save you and buffer you from any disappointment any letdown anytime someone you know doesn't do something the way you wanted them to or says something the way you don't like them to So before I move any further, I do need to just address the fact that this whole conversation is from a place of privilege, right? This whole conversation is for families who are raising privileged kids in privileged societies, kids who are protected from the raw, terrible, awful things that happen in the world. Kids who are exposed to poverty, to violence, to abuse to any of those things are typically not going to struggle specifically with entitlement. Of course, they're going to struggle with other things, but in a way, uh, this is a, a kind of an epidemic uh, that is for those children who don't struggle, who get everything handed them to them on a silver plate, who don't see uh, the the destructive, the violent, the difficult, the challenging, the depressive sides of life as much, and therefore. Uh, don't have a frame of reference for just how blessed and lucky they are. That's why the child who comes from a country that was impoverished and comes from a home that struggled to put food on the table and then moves to a country where, uh, you know, there's a plentiful, bountiful abundance, they are uh, kind of immune, immunized to entitlement because they have a frame of reference to compare that abundance to. They realize what a blessing it is. So if you are struggling to put food on the table, then this might not be for you, right? It might not be. There are some different ways of being entitled, right? But probably um, probably, if you have this goal of just getting through the day and just surviving, then you're not struggling with those hashtag, you know, first world problems of, oh, my kids think they deserve absolutely everything and they picture fit every time they don't get what they want, Right. But if you feel like you need to make your kids happy, if you feel like you need to give them a bubble or like they're living in some bubble, if you feel like you've spent the majority of your time kind of protecting them from the difficult things that go on in the world, um then this is very much a conversation for you and for me. I, you know, my kids have been raised in a very protective bubble and they, you know, we talk about these things a lot, but they haven't really on their own skin, had to deal with major challenge, which is something I'm so grateful for and so lucky and so blessed, and it's a, it's a really, really, really wonderful thing to say. Um, however, the, the the shadow side of that is that sometimes they don't realise just how lucky they are. So my goal is uh, that throughout their childhood, it's actually a time for slow, gradual, safe, and supported learning environments, a place where they can learn to handle struggle and stress and diversity and disagreements and challenge. So the idea is not that you should get your most favorite gifts that make you the most happy in the world, and you should be absolutely, you know, a uh, just swimming and all your your biggest delight and your childhood should be this happy clappy Disneyland of a place where you get all your wildest dreams come true and you want to be a princess and you want to be you know Harry Potter whatever any fantasy I need to fulfill for you that's not at all how I see my role. Yes, I want you to have a lot of fun and I want to open your eyes and I want to expose you to all the beauty and abundance and joy in the world, but I also have to immunize you against the expectation or the the perspective that that's everything in the world. I need to make you realize that, sure, you can want the hot chocolate from Starbucks with the whipped cream, and sometimes we can get that, hashtag vegan, (laughs) but um, sometimes you also need to realize alongside that, that you are lucky to be living in a country that has running water and that you have clean water to drink, right? So when people say to me that, oh, I can't do minimalism because my kids expect a lot of gifts, Right. Um we need to just frame that up a little bit differently or, or allow ourselves to compare that to the fact that yeah, the expectations might be the issue here. My kids have them, too. So my hand is the first one to be raised. But that might be the issue more than the fact that we can't do, you know, minimalism. It's more that we have to We. it's more that we have to address our own expectations. Right. And learn that there are other things at play other than our children's own delight. So when my children want a lot of things, great. But we also need to balance that with budget, with earth friendliness, with giving to other people, with learning to make do with what you've got or learning to wait or things like that, right? Learning to be okay with disappointment. Yeah, you don't always get what you want and that's okay. You can work towards it. You can figure it out. But this instant gratification, this instant on demand, whatever I want, you know, one hour prime orders is something that we really need to be working to balance out, I believe. We'll get right back to the show in just a moment, but I have something important I wanted to share with you last august 17 families gathered in the green jungle of the blue zone in osara on the west coast of costa rica for our first ever present play family vacation called bliss we were a total of 75 people and had 48 children among us together we formed a pop-up community of intentional parents we enjoyed seven days of reveling in that natural beauty of the jungle regularly seeing spider monkeys and giant iguanas as we breakfasted on our farm fresh vegan meals Our children played together every morning, led by our incredible child program director, Claire, and her ukulele. Together with a team of 15 local nannies, she led the children in yoga, nature walks, painting out in the jungle, and ninja runs. Whilst our kids were in their version of heaven, us adults got to do our own yoga sessions. For some of us, this was our first ever downward facing dog, and others were seasoned yogis. Under the guidance of our gentle leader, Jeanette, it didn't matter at all. Then we grabbed the smoothie and headed up to the rooftop shala to meet me for a session of designing our family's vision, aligning on our parenting goals and rejuvenating our connection with our partner. It was an incredibly moving moment for me, watching the 34 people sitting gazing into each other's eyes and talking about the most important things in their lives, their family. We were a group of imperfect, intentional parents there to support each other. No one felt awkward when their toddler had a big tantrum at dinner or their kid broke a plate at breakfast. No one worried they would be judged. Even though we were a diverse group of people from all over the world, Russia, Israel, India, Afghanistan, the UK, Iran, Canada, and the US, we were among like-minded parents who held the same values. We each had a relaxing massage with the background music of the many waterfalls up Bodhi Tree. Some of us surfed in one of the world's most celebrated surf destinations, and others of us ziplined down the miles of jungle top. And yet others simply took a book and read by the pool as our kids splashed together in the waters. Magic happened out there on our bliss vacation. We got to see the majestic sea turtles lay their eggs at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. And as we were doing yoga one day, a sperm whale swam by. And by the end of our dance party on the very last day, there was hardly a dry eye among us. In just one week, we had connected like a family. Children became pen pals, adults became soul friends, our bodies had been nourished and stretched and so had our minds and our hearts. The beauty of Costa Rica had infiltrated our homes and the kindness and warmth of the Bodhi Tree staff had encouraged us. And on a personal level, my family had so much fun, we knew we would definitely be going back which is why we've secured a spot for our present play vacation in Bodhi Tree, Costa Rica, again next year, August 2020. Spots are limited, but we would love to welcome your family to join us. So go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash events to get more information. All right, let's get back to the meat and potatoes or can we say tofu and rice, of the show. So there's a gradual learning curve at play here, and I'm going to give you some very practical ways to create this learning curve. But first, I want to point to the gradualness of this, and this is a theme in all of my work. I talk about the idea that we can't expect this to happen as one, two, three, right? You don't expect a three-year-old not to be entitled. It's a gradual learning curve. A newborn cries, And just immediately screams bloody murder, right? Like really screams their lungs out Um, the moment they aren't comfortable in any kind of way. Like they're a little bit cold. The bath water wasn't exactly right. Um, You, you know, didn't pick them up straight away. They scream. And we don't think of that as entitlement, we think of that as instinct and as communication and as natural. And that's how they should be. Right. But if a six year old screams because, you know, they didn't you didn't pick them up immediately, then that would be entitled behavior. That wouldn't be something that we expect of them. We'd have expected them to develop enough maturity that they can wait a moment, that they can ask nicely, that they can wait their turn. And that's as what I'm trying to show here and illustrate is the gradualness of it, right? The baby is instant gratification, screaming for everything that they want. And our goal is to guide our children out of that expectation as they grow in their ability and capacity to wait, to take turns, to understand others, for empathy, for compassion, for patience, and all of those skills that come along with being the opposite of entitled right so learning to be with the okay with a disappointment right so what the difference between a 6 year old or a 16 year old and a newborn is that they've gained skills and mastery and neuronal pathways and all of that stuff but also they've gained a broader perspective. They understand that waiting a few moments to get what they want or dealing with a bath that's not exactly the right temperature or, um, you know, eating something that wasn't their exact favorite or waiting to get your attention, all of that stuff is okay. They've got a broader perspective. They know that these things pass. They know that there's much worse problems in the world. They know that they can handle it. And so entitlement isn't about having the thing, right? It's about the attitude to having the thing, right? Entitlement isn't about having the thing, it's about the, the attitude to whether or not I have the thing or the attitude to the thing. And I, I want us to have this kind of definition in mind, this is my definition, the opposite of entitlement isn't deprivation. It isn't not having those things. In my opinion, the opposite of entitlement is gratitude. So my goal is not to try and deprive my children of things or set up challenges on purpose or make sure they get disappointed all the time. But it's certainly related to those things, right? We're not going to protect them from those things. And we'll lead into that in just a moment. But first, it's really about Helping them to see the things that they have within a perspective of gratitude. So, ensuring that they understand the other side of the coin of wanting more, or demanding, or expectation is gratitude for what we have. Mm. So with that in mind, let's get into some actually practical steps that we can take in order to decrease our children's sense of me, 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 entitlement, not being able to handle disappointment, expecting more and more and more, and, uh, you know, blaming other people, being concerned about themselves and not others, being unhelpful, being expected to be rescued or that rules don't apply. What are some things that we can do in a practical way? So here we go. The first is to restrain our overprotective instincts. There are built-in disappointments, built-in challenges, and built-in stress in every single day for children, right? There are many small disappointments and frustrations throughout their day from the earliest of ages. A baby who needs to wait a minute while mommy finishes in the bathroom a toddler who can't have the blue cup they need to have the red cup a uh, 5 year old who needs to get out of the house now even though they preferred to play a 7 year old who needs to wait their turn before they can use the dressing up uh, gear you see every single day there's just natural challenges it happens all the time someone calls us a name someone doesn't give us a turn we didn't get the gift we wanted uh, the supper that was offered wasn't our favorite, all these little disappointments. And that is the immunization. That is the place where if we don't rush to protect, they whine, they cry, they act entitled. We still hold the limit and they learn that that attitude doesn't serve them. We can be somewhat empathic but not overly empathic and you can see my video about this right we're not like oh they're there darling poor baby oh no we just say yeah you didn't that's not your preference it's it's hard when dinner isn't what you most preferred or I can see it's really hard to wait sometimes or wow you're really disappointed that that wasn't what you wanted and we simply allow them to feel those feelings and they learn that those feelings aren't such a big deal they can do it Um, they can manage it. And so think of that as that immunization to bigger things, right? We practice every single day. It's the gym. It's the work. It's the baby who's learning to walk by falling over a million times, crawling and falling and trying and getting up again. Each and every day, you can experience frustration. And I think it's great when my kids don't get what they want, when they didn't get a turn, when there wasn't another goodie bag at the party and they were the only one who didn't get one. Great, wonderful, that is life. Welcome, my friend, make yourself comfortable. I know, it's hard, but guess what? You can handle it. I know, it's not fun when someone else gets something that you wanted and you don't have it. I know, it's not fun when it wasn't your preference or your plan for the day didn't pan out or I decided not to spend the money buying you that thing that somebody else has. That's not your preference. It doesn't feel good. I get it. But guess what? you can handle it. So allowing those many disappointments and not rushing to rescue them is my first step on my action plan on how to hopefully stave off some entitlement from my very entitled children. The next one is to help them frame up frustrations within a border perspective. So instead of just Over-empathizing, I touched on this in point number one. Yes, holding space with empathy, sure. Oh, yes, that's not what you wanted. I get it. But not going into, poor baby, oh no, and trying to fix it for them. We don't want to fix it. You forgot something at home. I'm not going to circle the block back to get it for you unless I absolutely, you know, unless I really feel like it's no big deal. And of course, and I'll get it for you and I would do it for myself. I would do it for another adult. Okay. But if it's just because you're going to pitch a fit because you can't wait the hour until we get home, then I'm sorry. This is a perfect opportunity for me to help you frame up frustrations within a broader, broader perspective. Yes, it's frustrating for you. However, uh, with that, with the frustration is also the ability to reframe and to realize that there's gifts in every situation. And as hard as this is, I'm sure we can figure out a way to get through it. I'm sure we can figure out a way to distract ourselves or to make a plan B or to figure it out. And we don't want to overdo the worthiness here because that can be really unempathic and it can set up people to feel defensive or like we're not supportive. But we also don't want to rush to save them. And we want to help them to frame it up. You know, this is about gaining a broader perspective and understanding that, yeah, it's so annoying when I forgot my, you know, my favorite lipstick at home. It's so annoying when I forgot my phone and I need to be without it for a couple of hours. But that's, you know, hashtag first world problems, not a big deal. We We will live, we will survive. Not making those little things into big things. You know, uh, I I sometimes see myself and other parents going to great lengths because our children forgot their favorite doll and they can't live without it. Or they, you know, didn't get the exact, you know, dessert that they wanted and will drive or will order it or will figure out or will stay up late making it for them. And I think ah, that's a missed opportunity to realize that, yes, people love you and they'll go to great lengths to make you happy. But also ah, being frustrated and being a bit disappointed is not the end of the world and you will survive and it's OK. In fact, it's pretty healthy to experience that on a regular basis. The next one is not to bribe our children or pay them for chores. So I have a whole video and blog post about our approach to allowance and chores. We follow uh, the recommendations of Ron Liebler in the opposite of spoilt, um, But I do recommend paying them for extra chores that you would be paying someone else for as a way of offering them times to earn money. In our family, that looks like blowing the leaves and vacuuming the car. If you do those to an a professional standard, you get paid. Um, otherwise, you do not get paid for doing you know, laundry, dishes, dishwasher, cleaning up, cooking, all of that stuff is just part of house. And we expect you to do it on a regular basis. And of course, we're working on this. My kids are still young. It's not, you know, sometimes I would just rather do it myself because it's harder sometimes when kids do it. But just watch a couple of videos about Japanese schools and it will set you on fire. To have your kids doing the chores at home um, more and more fully and taking the time to really teach them and to really um, guide them through that. But bribing them or paying them for chores teaches them that they are entitled not to do it. They don't have to work. We're not expecting them to do any of this. Um, In fact, they should get paid why should they get paid to simply upkeep their own hygiene and their own space and our family uh, and contribute to being part of the community? Um, So that, that, I think, sets them up for an entitled feeling. The next one is to stop doing things for your children that they can do for themselves. Oh, I will just caveat and say about the previous point is we do give our children an allowance. And that could be seen as an entitled thing, right? Because why should they just get money simply for existing? And I agree, it is an entitled thing. However, I feel that the, that the trade-off there is the uh, financial education that comes with an allowance, learning how to save and how to spend and what happens when I save and when I spend, etc. And so I see that more as a tool for teaching financial education, But not just paying them simply to be. It's more like an internship in finances. However, once my children are old enough to earn money, you know, their allowance will stay really pretty small and they will be paying for their own, you know, big purchases that they want to make for themselves. Their allowance is something that they have to save up for many weeks in order to buy anything of substance. And so I think that's a good financial tool. So, yeah, trying to balance that out in that way. Okay, back to the next point, which was stop doing things for your children that they can do for themselves. So, of course, every once in a while, a kid's not feeling well, or you're just having an off day, and you just want to indulge them, and that's fine, that's lovely, it's a love language often, it's, you know, acts of service. And I like to make my eight-year-old son his, you know, hot drink in the morning, even though he can totally make it for himself, because I feel like he really feels pampered and loved when I do that for him, just like I would do it for my partner or for a friend. It's a lovely act. But just generally, things that they can do for themselves like putting things away, cleaning things up, getting things for themselves, fixing something themselves. Uh, The more we do things for them that they can do, the more they get the message that they needn't bother. Someone else is going to step in and do it for them. And of course, that would build up a sense of entitlement. Why should I do this? I'm used to being served hand and foot. The next one is to practice gratitude. So, Practicing gratitude, we have discussed at length, and I have a whole video about gratitude and how to cultivate it. We'll we'll reshare it this week and link it in the show notes. But really, gratitude is like this magic pill. If, you know, if you could get the results that gratitude practices give, if we could, if I told you there was a pill that gives these results in You know, warding off depression and really creating a much happier, healthier, uh, longer living uh, human being, you would pay good money for that pill. Well, a gratitude practice has those results. Practicing gratitude, just noticing three things we're grateful for that day or pointing out the things that we're thankful for or having a practice at dinner where we say uh, what our best part of the day was and why or something something or someone that we're sending gratitude to. These practices seem kind of innocuous and and non-substantial, but they have an incredibly powerful cumulative effect. And so I believe that we do not need to apologize for our privileges. I believe that we don't have to feel bad for them. I don't believe that privilege puts us in a position of apology or of uh, feeling uh, guilty um, but I do believe that we need to be grateful for them. I do believe that we need to notice them and use them uh, in our lives to better the world and to give back and to do good. And I think gratitude is the way that we do that. So having a regular practice at dinner time, at bedtime, whenever is good for you, I believe is a very powerful way to combat any entitlement that might be coming up for your children. And for you and for me, right, that's one of the ways that we remind ourselves that, you know, our issues are really small comparatively and that we have so much to be grateful for. And on that note, we need to just remember that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. A gratitude practice is trying to remember what we've got before it's gone, is to notice the things that we've got without losing them, and that is incredibly powerful in my opinion. Honestly, for me, uh, gratitude is a guiding force in my everyday life, uh, moment by moment. And I think it's just one of the things that makes my life so worth living for me, right? Makes life so worth living because it means presence with what we've got. It means noticing it, mindfulness of it. Um, It means being awake, being awake to, to the myriad blessings and to how we cannot take any of them for granted. And the final point that I want to make and perhaps the most powerful and the most uh, practical is perspective. How can we help our children gain a sense of perspective, learning that uh, what they have can't be taken for granted, that other people in other places and in other times couldn't ever dream of taking for granted the things that we have Modern plumbing, modern medicine, clean running water to drink, food on our table, a shelter over our head, an education, a network of family and friends. And then if you layer on top of that anything extra like Wi-Fi, (laughs) clean new clothes, comfortable shoes, um, all of those things are just things that are the epitome of luxury compared to many and most generations throughout history. And so here, it's really about introducing them to those other people, right? So in our family, that looks like reading a lot of biographies, reading about other people's experience, reading about slavery, about the Holocaust, about overcoming disabilities, about people who have had to fight to get equal rights or have had to trek miles each day to get clean drinking water, reading about people who have pushed through hardship and triumphed, reading about how We have these things that we take for granted, like our freedom of speech or our right to religious expression or our right to vote, to become lawyers or doctors and reading about how we have all the things that we have, modern plumbing, farming, medicine, all of the things that make our lives so luxurious. We need to decode for them how those things came to be when you learn about the history of, you know, whatever it is, freedom of speech, for example, and you learn what it took, the blood, sweat and tears it took for so many of thousands, tens of thousands of people to go throughout history for us to have this thing that we take completely for granted so much so that some of us can't even name it. You know, I don't think my children are even aware that they have this thing called freedom of speech that so many people throughout history have not had. Once we read about that and we understand, oh, my goodness, these people lived without knowing if they'd see another day or without knowing if they'd have a meal or without being able to be who they were or marry who they wanted to, or be free um, or practice their religion or be in their own country or have the right to vote or have the right to education. Suddenly we realize that that's not something that we can take for granted. And so, Biographies. There are so many beautiful biographies for children these days. Really incredible. I mean, every time we go f- to the library, I'm just like loading up on these books. And uh, videos, you know, films, videos, documentaries, um, all of these are ways to travel to other places and gain perspective, which really, I believe, battles entitlement. Another way of gaining perspective, slightly less available and accessible to everyone, is travel. Right? When you travel, uh, you know, especially if you travel to places where, of course, you you enjoy, you know, your travel, which might be at the height of luxury, but you can still connect to local people, connect to other towns, even if you just go to towns nearby where there's less uh, luxury and less um, less uh, abundance. Um, less prosperity, then you can gain a sense of perspective. Similarly, If you meet people, real people, you know, if you can volunteer, if you can look someone homeless in the eye when you give them a dollar or a sandwich, if you can volunteer together as a family, or if you can set up a regular donation plan that actually involves children and educating them on where that money goes to. Um, Our favorites for that are Plan International, where you can sponsor a child, you can correspond with that child, you get updates on how they're doing. Or charity water, another favorite of mine, where you can really see where your money goes to getting clean water to people who need it. So in conclusion, (laughs) the opposite of entitlement is gratitude. And the route to gratitude is perspective. Understanding that what we have can't be taken for granted and we're not entitled to it. We're just incredibly blessed to have it. And it's our job to put it to good use. Now, I would absolutely love to hear your tips on how to save off entitlement, any books that you recommend, any particular charities that you love to donate to. If you would be so kind as to go over to Instagram and post, uh, just comment there, tag me, share this out share it in your stories or uh, comment on this week's episode uh, show notes, which is over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 45. Um, I would love to hear all of your input and all of your comments there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you're busy and I appreciate it so much. And hopefully next time I record, my voice will be a little less hoarse. Namaste. Namaste.